Have you ever left your home and feel being attacked because of your race? Sounds unreal, right? But this is the reality that Asian Americans have been living with since the beginning of COVID. Good evening, everyone. This is MJ Reality Check, brought to you by Magu and Janelle. Today, we will be unraveling the injustices and inequalities that Asian Americans have encountered because of fear surrounding the coronavirus. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining the MJ podcast. Today, we have with us Mr. Chan. Please introduce yourself. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, and mm-hmm. I just wanted so a little bit about myself. I am um, the, a teacher at AMS2, uh, math teacher. I teach AP Stats, AP Calc, and Pre-Calc. And I'm very happy to be here with you to discuss uh, the issues that are around the Asian community today. Thank you for being here today. Um, I'm going to be asking you a series of questions regarding the recent surge in Asian American discrimination in America. Please feel free to answer honestly. Mm-hmm. I will. Thank you for thank you for uh, giving me this time to uh, discuss this. You're welcome. Okay. So, have you heard about the recent blaming of Asian Americans for the coronavirus? Yes, it's uh, it's a very unfortunate situation. Um, that has happened where a lot of people are um, are blaming uh, Asian American people, uh, especially elderly people, uh, in re- because of what's been happening with the pandemic. Uh, a lot of that has a, there's a lot of reasons as to why that is, but we can we can mm-hmm. get into those uh, reasons uh, once uh, with more questions that you're going to ask. So how do you feel about this blaming? Do you feel it's valid and acceptable? I can understand if if a person it does not know anything about the Asian American community that they 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 are scared, that they are fearful of things that are going on, that it's always human nature to be afraid of things that they don't under, that people don't understand or or just don't know about. Um, but however, you also have to think about it from the standpoint of treating people as human beings. And so it's very easy to blame other people and not look at yourself and not look at others and, and just look at others in a, in a, in a wrong way. Um, and it, because it's, it's very easy to do that. And that's been happening throughout many, many parts of American history, but also, um, you know, in, in terms of human history, it's always been like that, where it's easier to blame others than than just again looking at yourself. Most of these blaming incidents and like discriminations that you were talking about, these are considered hate crimes against Asian Americans. Is this your first time hearing about the hate crimes such as cursing, spitting, berating, and insulting performed towards Asian Americans? No, this is not the first time, unfortunately. This has been happening for a long, long time. And it's just it's just because of social media. Um, this has been happening for a long time in many different parts of the Asian American community, um, and also and also it, it has happened, you know, in schools as well. Um, because even when um, I've had class, I've had um, friends of mine that uh, in the past that has been bullied, spat on, you know, uh, said mean things to them, racist things to them, discriminatory things to them. So this has been happening all throughout my life. Um, I have not been directly affected by it, fortunately, because 
I think that a lot of people um, that that I'm surrounded with are very tolerant. But uh, but I and also because of the of the really poor choice of of words and language that our previous president um, talked about. Does this like sometimes anger you? Make you feel angry sometimes? That's a very good question. I think it does anger me a lot, but it's not as though it's more angry than say what has happened with other communities of color. So say for example, you know, with the George Floyd incident you know, that happened last year, you know, that really angered me a lot. Um, also with the family separation at the border, you know, that also really angers me a lot because there's a rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans that I'm more angry about it. It's that for me personally, it's, it's whenever I see any type of injustice or any type of discrimination on anyone, I don't feel very happy about that. And you know, the fact that it's that it's on Asian Americans doesn't does lower that or even amplify that for me. It's just all across the board. I get very upset about about I it. totally agree with you mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. So why do you think people's why do you think like this surge in the hate crimes and like discrimination has become such a rise during this specific time? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with, again, social media has been doing a good job of amplifying it and to show and to show it. I think that if you equate it with, with some things that has happened within other communities of color, people have been exposing it for what it is. It's always been there. Discrimination, racism has always been there, but people are now, you know, because of technology, because of your smartphone, people can show it. And, and, and it's, it's been enhanced because of that. The other thing is that because of the language, like I said earlier, the language of especially the previous president of the United States, it hasn't helped. Um, and it's and I don't want to blame it all on him. It's not all on him, but a lot of it is- A large portion. A large portion, yes, I agree that a large portion, portion of it is because of him, because his voice is very important. He was the president of the United States. And it doesn't help when someone says something like that and makes fun of a community and just some really loose things about it. And then people just take it for what it is. And then they start becoming a very uh, toxic situation. Um, I think that, you know, this has been, this has been very true without, again, like I said, other communities of color. Um, and also, you know, even before, this is probably before your time, you know, but when I was in college, a lot of people were very anti-Muslim because of the fact, because of 9-11. And yes. so this is always a recurring theme with, with, uh, with America, is that African-American, Black Americans are always going to be targeted, no matter what. It's like, it, it's been 400, 500 years of that. But, but then other communities of color get tossed in, depending on what's in the news. So if it was 9-11, it was Arab and Muslim community. And now because of COVID, now it's the Asian American community. So it all depends on what's in the news as well. And I, I blame sometimes the media for that uh, because of that amplification, that negative toxicity in the media. That wrong information. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, you touched, you touched on this when you were speaking, but do you think that lack of knowledge plays a part into this? I, I, I really think that lack of knowledge does play a part into it. Um, I just read something yesterday that um, there was a survey done um, 
and it said the survey was done by uh, uh, done by an Asian American Institute at a, at a university. And so they, they basically surveyed people and, and, and asked them, um, asked them, did they know any prominent Asian Americans in the country? And so 42% of people said they don't know anybody, um, which is a very high number because it, because um, our current vice president is, is half Asian. Um, she is biracial, but she's half Asian. And so uh, it's whether or not they know that she is she, she is Asian or not, or do they consider her because she's she's from India, her you know her mother's from India that they don't consider her as an Asian as an Asian person? I don't really know. Um, they didn't really get into that fact. But the other people that were that that were in the survey um, was uh, martial artists. So martial artists that you see in the movies. So it was Jackie Chan and. Bruce Lee. So Jackie Chan is not even an American. <laughs> and Bruce Lee has been, has, has passed on, has moved on. You know, he's been, he's moved on. I think he died 50 years ago, almost, 50, almost 50 years ago. So, so you see that there's a lot, there's a portion of America that don't really know too much about Asian Americans. And that leads to a lot of this type of thing. And then when it's amplified by someone like the president of the United States, all that discrimination, all that racism comes out. And so that's that's a very huge problem. Um, so yes, it is. Do you think people, specifically Americans, accept and believe this treatment towards Asian Americans? Do they accept this treatment you're saying? Mm -hmm. Or do they believe in it? Do they think it's right to, for Asian Americans to be treated this way? I tend to think that people are good at heart. And I don't think that people really want people to be treated like this, but I think that there's a small portion mm. that are racist, that are discriminatory, mm -hmm. no matter what, um, whether it's out of fear, whether it's out, whether because they, they feel as though they're losing their power, that they, that they want to do that. And then there's a, there's a very smaller portion that are just plain racist. And they don't, or they, either they acknowledge it or they don't acknowledge it. Those small percentages of people are the ones that you hear about in the news, that you hear about in media, and you and the ones that are that are um, perpetrating these type of crimes, hate crimes. So I, I I really get the sense that people are good at heart, but again, we only hear about the bad, and I think again the bad gets amplified all the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And you touched on this before, but. Um, why do you think hate crimes against Asian Americans have lifted specifically COVID nineteen pandemic? Yeah, yeah, I, I really believe it's from the from the previous president of the United States because he specifically had quoted you know speeches that you know this is from China, blame China, don't you know this is not from us. It's all is all from China. It's China's fault that the coronavirus is about. And people take that message for what it is. Um, if some people are, so, some people would say you're wrong. You know, um, you you are fanning the flames of racism by saying that. Um, and then some people take it and say, yeah, we should blame them. So mm -hmm. it's it's all it's um, it's all a blame game, and it's and it's unfortunate because you know his you know words matter, and so we we know that words matter. But, you know, to him, unfortunately, you know, during his presidency, his words really did matter. 
and to a lot of very negative consequences. So I really attributed a lot of it to him, unfortunately. Um, not to say that hate crimes wouldn't happen, you know, if he didn't do anything. I think that it would still happen, but because of him, it's always it's it, it's it's again amplified. It's more it's more out there because of it. You've talked about the the past president a lot. And do you believe that his insensitivity is due to fear, you know, fear of him? You know, when the, the, the pandemic first came out, everybody was, everybody was surprised, everyone was shocked. So do you think his insensitivity to Asian Americans, do you think it's out of fear? Yes, I, I yes, you're, I think you are, you hit the nail on the head. I think it is, a lot of it's out of fear um, um, because, he is trying to find someone to blame. He does not want to look at himself as to he is that he can he can change things. He can be the problem solver. He rather it be someone else's fault than than look to himself to see that he is to blame. So he does not want to. He doesn't want to. He did not want to have anyone to blame except for other people. And I think that because of that type of personality trait, it was very very bad to a lot of people in the Asian American community. Yeah, I totally agree with like everything you said. Mm -hmm. So um, how do you believe that we can stop this discrimination or at least minimize it to an ex extent? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that the, the main thing is to make sure that we educate people um, we are, you know, we at AMS2 are trying our best to educate, um, educate the students, but also teachers about the Asian American community, because we are a very small community, you know, the Asian population is about three, it's about in the single digits, but it's, but it's actually the population is growing. Um, a lot of it has to do with immigration, a lot of it has to do with um, a lot of families have been here for generations, Asian Americans have been here for, for a long, long time. And so the population is growing. And I think that it's, it's important to, to be educated, uh, to know all the different types of Asian Americans that are out there. Because when some people think of Asian Americans, they think Chinese, they think Japanese, they think, you know, even to some extent Koreans because of BTS. Um, so there's a lot of that that's happening, but there's a lot of other groups uh, of, API people that are out there, um, like people from India, people from the Philippines, people from Vietnam, people that are from uh, Malaysia. So there's a lot, there's a lot of individuals that are out there. Um, and they are, and it's not just one group, and everyone's the same. It's not, it's not that at all. So I think that having that education is very, very important. And also knowing the history, just like very similar to um, to how, how in some schools, you know, they've done a better job, I wouldn't say a great job, but a better job of teaching African-American history. I think that that's, that's also a very important thing for people to be, to be more understanding and, and tolerant of, of others. And I think that that's something that's, that is, uh, that is really important to kind of lower the, lower the incidences of, of that. And also the fact that it's just treating people like human beings. I mean, everyone's struggling. Everyone's trying to make 
make their make a make a place in this in this world. So I think it's very important to kind of have that have that empathy for people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the most important question: Do you think that hate crimes can ever be stopped? Like hate crimes in general. I don't think it ever, ever. I don't think it can ever be stopped. I think that there's always going to be people that are going to be out there that that want to keep power, that want to um, that want to discriminate, that are fearful of people. Um, just like how, just like how police officers interact with communities of color, um, there's always going to be that fear. That's always going to be there, and I think that, I think that because of that fear. Unfortunately, there's going to be hate crimes because of it, and and the main thing is to is to again educate um, and to be open to other ideas and other people from different cultures and backgrounds and economic conditions and all that. And I think that that that's the that's the most important thing to understand. And that you know, for for a lot of things, we are all the same. In, 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 in many ways, we are all the same, but there are definitely some things that, that we are different and, and we just need to understand them and be educated about it. Um, so how do you think we can start reparations for healing and supporting the Asian American community? Mm. Um, I, see, this is, a, this is a very complicated, question. Um, it's not, it's not per se reparations. I think it's more of, because, because the Asian American experience is a little different than say the African American experience, because African Americans were forced against their will to come to this country. Um, and that's, you know, if you don't believe in that, then, then you need to be, then some people need to be educated about that. However, I think for the Asian American experience, it's a it's a little bit more it's a, it's a definitely a little different from that. Um, um, we weren't we were not forced we as a community were not forced to be here. Although there were laws that were um, as as Mr. Han explained in the town hall, there were laws that were discriminatory against Chinese Americans uh, way back in the day. But our experiences have been much different. So. I think I think it's again it's more of about understanding the different groups of people within Asian America, the different economic conditions as well, um, and to to kind of fully understand because honestly there are definitely Asian Americans that have benefited from from the current system, from the current social system and. And then, uh, and you know, have been very successful. Entrepreneurs have been very successful in business. Has been very successful in ed- entertainment or whatever other type of professions that are out there. However, there's also another group that are not as successful that are that are economically disadvantaged as well. So there's a lot of that type of type of uh, thing that to, to kind of explore and and what type of policies are available out there to kind of help those that are disadvantaged, I think, I think it speaks to a kind of a larger, larger um, discussion about how do we support people that are, that are underprivileged or economically disadvantaged in this country. I think that that's, you know, if you, if you're able to kind of answer that question, then I think that that will also help Asian Americans as well. 
Okay, and the last question we have for you today is, do you believe that Asian Americans can one day go back to feeling and living safe as much as they did prior to the pandemic? Oh, this is a very good question. Um, I think that I think that people will start feeling safe once um, once there's more awareness. And I think that once once I think that COVID kind of kind of dies down a little bit, I think that this these these rash of hate crime incidents will hopefully decrease. It doesn't mean it's gonna be all gone, but but my hope is that I, I think that people get educated, people are becoming more self-aware um, and people learn more about the community that people will become more tolerant. And also I think what's important is to create a solidarity within communities of color. So I'm talking about Latinx, I'm talking about African-Americans, I'm talking about Asian-Americans, um, just the whole the, the whole group of um, of communities of color coming together um, to basically uh, fight for justice, fight for equal rights, fight for uh, fight for racial equality. I think that that's that's if it's under that umbrella, I think that that's actually more important um, to uh, to achieve. And I think that um, that marks the end of this wonderful session with Mr. Chan. Thank you for joining us today. And we will continue playing, putting our own parts into raising awareness. Janelle, do you have any final words? No, thank you so much for, for your time and your patience and for the lovely words that you spoke. Oh, no, thank you for having me today. I really do appreciate you giving me this, uh, this opportunity. Hello, everyone. Today we have with us Mr. Han. Would you please do us the kind favor of introducing yourself? My name is Mr. Han. Um, I teach living environment uh, this year at um, AMS2, which is a charter high school located in the South Bronx, specifically the Morrisania neighborhood. Um, I was born and raised in the Bronx, went to school in Rochester, live in New York, um, fully born and bred uh, Korean American New York. Thank you, Mr. Han, for joining us. So we're just gonna be asking you a series of questions about the recent surge in Asian American discrimination in America. Please feel free to answer honestly, and let's get into it. Have it. you heard about the recent blaming of Asian Americans for the coronavirus? Uh, yes, I have. Um, I've heard it from the news. I've heard it from uh, anecdotes, stories that um, my AAPI friends have told and have shared. Yeah, I've heard of it through a variety of different sources and all of the stories have some similarity. A lot of times um, the, the acts of discrimination have been targeted against elderly Asian Americans, which is a common thread. Okay, so how do you feel about this blaming? And do you feel it's valid or acceptable? Um, I don't feel great, but I think, well, I think any blaming of that sort isn't acceptable, mainly because it just comes from a lack of understanding. 
Um, in terms of its validity, I don't think it's entirely true either. I think what essentially happened was COVID-19 happened. Um, the leaders, political and otherwise, didn't do the correct things in lessening the impact full, you know, series of months and now, you know, going on to years. Um, I think the blame, the reason why the blaming happens is because when you have something like this, you, you humans on the whole just need something to label as the enemy that makes it easier to direct all of these emotions that are, you know, a lot of things. A lot of people lost their jobs, um, couldn't live the way they wanted to, or cut off from family members. All of those things create very negative emotions. And sometimes a coping mechanism for that is this thing called projection, where you take those negative emotions and instead of sort of processing why they happen, it's easier to just put them on someone else and say, you caused this, you are the problem. And that's where the blame kind of comes in. The second part of it is that as a political and social structure, we've sort of made it easier and not necessarily easier, but more okay for those feelings to be voiced publicly and to be validated, those feelings of projection. And sometimes they do manifest in the violence and hate crimes as well. But we've unfortunately collectively just kind of made it more of an okay thing to do. Part of that is the most, not this president, but the one before and just sort of the culture shift that came with it. It just kind of made it more okay to do. You stated before that you heard, um, you heard from your friends and other people about how Asian Americans have been treated. So, um, can you give us like a specific, like, a, can you dive more into like the story, how they told you what happened, and um, how it happened? I mean, mostly um, for me now, um, I get a lot of my news from just like you know, the iPhone has that little news app that has mm -hmm. a cycle thing. Um, I have a few friends on Instagram who share these stories just so that people are aware and they usually post sort of donation links afterwards for the people who are affected. So that's, I get a lot of my news and some of the stories from them as well. I mean, a lot of them, the, at least the story is very much boiled down to someone deciding that they woke up this morning and they were going to, you know, do whatever they were going to do. And they were going to pick like, you know, they're going to pick an Asian, they're going to pick an Asian person and be like, you know, a person who's not going to be able to fight back. So a lot of times it is like elderly Asian Americans who are, who have received the, who have been on, who've borne the brunt of those types of hate crimes and acts. And also on top of that, elderly Asian women again that whole perception of who is the most vulnerable who is the least likely to again quote unquote fight back so i'll put it this way um when the news of the rise in asian american hate crimes like was sort of quote unquote revealed to the world most people of asian american descent were kind of sat there going yeah i could have told you but no one asked it was that kind of thing like the same way that when people outside of the Bronx do news stories about the Bronx and then they're like surprised that all this stuff, they're like, they're just, that's the thing. People are like just finding out things that have been happening for years. 
in that sense, there is a lot of like people, you know, people have a kind of like a despair phenomena that happens when you're, it's like when in the face of so many things that are wrong, what can you do? So we societally have kind of just said, you know what? It's okay. Give up, quit, let the, let the world beat you up. Here's a TikTok of somebody doing something funny. And we just kind of breathe that as an okay thing. You know, we don't encourage that kind of like activism. We kind of do it in a way that's like, oh yeah, good job. Like, you know, you, you posted something, good job. Like that's your good deed for the day. Like we, we have been more and more okay with like mediocrity and just being proud of yourself for doing the minimum. I think that's what it is. You know, it's the dual things of there's so much in the world that is a problem. I don't really know what to do. So rather than trying to figure out either of those things, it's just a kind of like surrender. Um, with that said, there are people doing that good work. People have organized um, nonprofits, people with specific missions. Some people have nonprofits that are specifically designed to collect donations and get them to the right people. And if people are not in either of those camps, I've always said, you either contribute with your time and your skills or you contribute with your money. So you either donate or you actively volunteer and you do one or the other. And those things, while they might not be a lot, if, an, if enough people do them, then they're able to accomplish. Something. So I think there's a lot of, I don't know what to do, but unfortunately, like the good thing is there are things that people can do. The problem is that people get to the state of, I don't know what to do. And then that's it. They don't ask any further questions. They just kind of stop. You all are kind of doing the right thing here. You're kind of diving into it a little bit more and asking those questions. That's, that, that's a big part of it. But there are quite a few people out there who don't and kind of just go, well, it's not really my problem. So I'm not going to give it any more. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you think that um, the lack of knowledge and fear that came with the pandemic plays a part into this? Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, you, you get, you get enough people calling it the China virus, you get enough people calling it Kung flu. That's what happens. And this is, again, this is something that has happened all the time. Um, the Spanish flu that happened in 1918, which was, what's, it, it was the COVID of its time. Like every, a lot of the things are similar. It's called the Spanish flu. Didn't, didn't originate in Spain, originated in the United States, France, and Germany. Um, it was called the Spanish flu because once again, we had to blame somebody. And at the time, one of the royal, one of the monarchs in Spain, I believe it was King Alfonso, who was the one that had passed away. And the newspaper sort of gravitated towards that as like, oh, it's the Spanish flu. But it actually originated in France, Germany, and the United States. But Again, we had to blame somebody, and so we did, and so still called the Spanish flu, even though it didn't really happen in Spain. It's again, it's the thing. It's a thing like a virus. It's not a very clearly defined enemy. Humans generally have a hard time with dealing with things that they physically cannot see or experience. So a thing like a virus is very abstract to a lot of people. You can't see COVID bits in the air. You can't see it. It's not a, a villain. It's not evil. It just is. Viruses, that's what they do. They infect, they reproduce, they move on. So you need an enemy. So for Spanish flu in 1918, Spain kind of became the punching bag for those things. 
And then let's be real, um, SARS back in 2002 to 2005, I believe, swine flu around 2011, 2012, those things also happen to originate in, um, those things happen to originate in East Asia. So again, obvious jokes, obvious punching bags. You know, I've heard the SARS jokes, I've heard the uh, swine flu jokes, I've heard the COVID jokes, I've heard all three, I've lived through all three of them. The reason why the blame is easy is because this time around, we actually know that the COVID virus originated in Wuhan. So, you know, someone could be, you know, someone could say something like China virus and be an idiot about it. And then when you try to kind of push back, their response will, of course, be, well, you know, COVID started in a, in, in a bat in China, so it's the China virus. And that's kind of, to them, they have a fact and they're just going to go with it. So again, it makes to them it's fully justified. It's okay because it's true, kind of, you know? Like it's not, it's I'm not being racist, it's a fact. It's like, okay, but the way you're using that fact is sure as hell racist. It's that thing. That's the that's the part that makes it very easy for people to gravitate to that. So as you said, people tend to play the blame game. So do you think the verdict made against Asian Americans is out of fear and lack of knowledge? Lack of knowledge and just, again, just kind of this like high potency fear. Because if you're afraid of something, the two things, like just even biologically, if there's a fear somewhere in your peripheral, the two things you have to do are either run away from it or fight back. Problem is fighting back is always like an action it's like a direct you need to like fight it back and do something to you know like actively crush it down however with a thing like a virus fighting back is very passive it's social distancing it's wearing masks it's getting a vaccine for yourself when it's available and it's your turn those things feel like very passive acts and don't feel like fighting against the virus it doesn't feel like a fight it feels like giving up so blaming someone feels like you're doing something. Hurting someone who you believe is the enemy feels like you're doing something. No, again, these things, I'm not saying these things are right. These things are horrid and wrong and, and bred from misinformation, ignorance, and just a primal fear. However, that's how people choose to act, you know? To do a crime that, spe that specifically targets a person because of what they look like and what race they are requires a very deep-seated amount of misinformation and anger. Like, again, nobody just wakes up one day and goes, I'm gonna go punch an Asian grandma in the face. It builds, there's a frustration. Maybe they lost someone to COVID and someone else said, you know who to blame for that, right? Those people. And that's how you, and that's how it's bred. All we see in the news and all we hear about in the news is the very last step where that person does the crime. The thing mm -hmm. is, so many steps before that, that could have been avoided or done differently. Some of that, the blame is on the people around them. But at, at the end of the day, if you are going to do that act, then it is your job to have the correct information and not just rely on the easiest sources, but on all correct sources. I totally agree with you. So how do you think we can stop this discrimination and racism? I think part of it is um, kind of an overall avoidance of general 
stereotypes. You know, it's easy to target a group when you only see them as this like vague entity. You know, when people say Asian American, people unfortunately, and especially from my my experiences living in the Bronx, so the opposite person doesn't picture a full human being with like dreams and hopes and likes and dislikes. They just kind of have this general view. They have stereotypes that are kind of shoved into one picture of a person. So in part of it, that's why the whole like representation matters campaign, not only for you know uh, people of Asian and Pacific Islander heritage, but for all marginalized groups. The more and not and not just in like fantastical stories, but like stories of like everyday life. It's you know these people aren't just caricatures; they are full people, and that's that's step one. Because the more of those you see, the more you realize, oh, this person is a full person. If you only know people based on the stereotypes, then you can never truly see them as full people. So that's that's part one. Um, it's kind of breaking down those barriers and allowing those stories to be told and giving space for those stories to be told. Um, more specifically to Asian Americans, historically, we've not been a part of the the discourse for when we talked about like racial justice and we talked about other social movements, Asian Americans, one, we didn't participate nearly as much in the grander scheme. And two, we kind of got left behind in that time. We, to a degree, rode the coattails of other civil rights movements. And then when it came to very specific Asian American discrimination, kind of left behind. Like a law got passed in 2021 for like specifically targeting like hate crime legislation. That's a little late, I think, for all of that. Like I've said, um, information, learn the things, small things you can do, big things you can do. So small things you can do are kind of hearing their stories, watching their stories, seeing where the parallels are. Uh, and I think sometimes maybe the hardest thing is calling people out when they make statements and jokes that are not okay. Even if they're your friends, even if they're your family, they sometimes need a reminder and sometimes they might not know. And if someone has to check them and you're in that room, so why not? Why not it be you? I think that's a big one. Um, because a lot of times we hear those jokes, we kind of laugh along and then we kind of move on and then we keep moving on and we keep moving on and then it kind of blows up. So calling out people when they make those statements. Yeah, exactly. I totally, I totally agree. Like sometimes just with us, like, you know, laughing along or like not stopping it, we're kind of enabling it. So yeah. do you think, do you think that hate crimes can ever be stopped as a whole? I think here's the problem. Um, so hate crimes still technically aren't a form of its own, at least against Asian Americans, they're still hard to pin and they're still hard to um, convict for because a lot of the push against that is um, if someone were to go out and murder five people that happen to be the same race and ethnicity and or ethnicity, can you, as uh, an attorney, say this person was motivated by a hatred towards a specific group? It's hard to pin that to the point where when the when the shootings happened in Atlanta in March, it was very obvious to everyone 
kind of on the outside, oh, this person specifically targeted three Asian-owned businesses. The Out of the eight casualties, six were Asian-American uh, Asian women employees and two were customers that were in the, in the crossfire. There was debate whether it was a hate crime or not. From a moment like that, no, because one, we collectively, there's unfortunately still debate as to what a hate crime is or if someone commits a hate crime. We apparently find it hard to tell, um, even though sometimes the data is staring us right in the face. From that, no. Because to reduce the number of hate crimes that were to be a thing, we need to first have an accurate number of what hate crimes are and are not, which we still do not have. Um, there's still not a full existing database for, Asian, for AAPI targeted hate crimes that is being worked on, but it has not existed on the thought of it or the, the idea hadn't really made it past an idea till maybe last year and this year. So there's still no database. So step one, we don't really know what a hate crime is or isn't, and we still have trouble arguing in a court of law. Step two, we don't fully know how many hate crimes there have been or have not been, because we don't really have a database sometimes for that stuff. So we are at step negative two. We've named it, we know what it is, so we're not at step negative five. But we're at step negative two in my mind. There are two more steps. The legislation that allows states, cities, and counties to keep accurate logs of hate crimes. That way you can track whether they've gone up or down or against who, that data is important. And to be able to consistently in a court of law convict someone of a hate crime based on the certain mitigating factors. Once you can do all that, then we can work towards decreasing the number because we can't decrease the number if we can't even agree on the number or even if it is a hate crime or if it isn't. There's a lot of work to do. And that's part of, to go back to some of the points we were making earlier, people have this kind of thing of just, ah, it's a, it's a lot of work. So I'm just gonna, you know, not do it. And mm -hmm. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, watch my TikTok feed because that'll make me happier and that's less, uh, that's less stressful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. Thank you so much, Mustafa. Thank you for tuning into the MJ podcast. We hope you gained a lot of insight from your time spent with us. And remember, the change you want to see starts with you. Thank you.